Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about cognitive distortions as self-defense mechanism. This is part two of a multi-part series. I'm not quite sure how many parts we're going to have, but we're going to finish up cognitive distortions today. As we think, so we often act. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back, my friends. Today is part two of Cognitive Distortions. We're in a multi-week series about what kind of defense mechanisms do we have. I've actually had some stories come up that illustrate some of these I've had some of my own experiences in the last week come up that illustrate some of these. I've had people email me, one person emailed me and told me they thought it was the most boring episode that they'd ever done. On the one hand, I'm like, well, like they told me they listened to every episode. So on the one hand, I was like, well, wow, thank you uh, for listening to every episode. Um, On the other hand, thank you also for taking the time to tell me that this is the most boring ever. I hope that uh, that isn't the case. And I understand that for some people it will be. Uh, I also have people write me and be like, man, I've thought about these all week. I see them in my life. What do I do next? We're going to talk about that, but first we need to get these out. Okay, so we left off at personalization last last week. Uh, We're going to move to jumping to conclusions. Interpreting the meaning of a situation with little or no evidence. In other words, just because you feel something is happening doesn't mean that it is happening. And, And I have a great illustration from my own life for this. Uh, just this morning, I was in the gym, I was working out, and I haven't been to a gym in a long time since really before COVID. I've gone a couple times here and there, and I've mostly just done body weight workouts, and I hurt my shoulder, so I stopped for a while. Right before COVID hit, I hurt my elbow, um, and so I had to stop for a while. My elbow is, is injured long before I started working out, and it just flared up. And so I wasn't quite sure where the weights should be that would be, uh, you know, appropriate for my current fitness level and for my abilities. And so I put on what I thought would work and it did not work. It came right down and I sat up with the bar, but I couldn't actually do a bench press with it. And someone walked over and she offered help. And I was just so distracted by what was going on that I was like, just give me a minute, please. And I put the bar down. Now I can't hear her because I have my headphones in. She has my headphones in. Uh, So once I put it down and I kind of collected myself from, wow, I really thought that was going to work and I didn't even get one rep out, I stood up, pulled my headphones out, which immediately stops the music, and I started to say, hey, would you mind helping me put this back up? And she is talking to her friend about how men just don't want women to help them. I dropped it on me and I wouldn't even listen to her. And, and I, can, I can honestly see how she came to that conclusion, but it wasn't an accurate conclusion. I was happy to have them help me. I don't care who, what gender the person is who helps me, or I don't really care if somebody wants to help me. I don't care who it is, uh, especially if I need the help. I just needed a minute to collect myself. It had nothing to do with her or her gender. It had to do with the fact that I was just flabbergasted, flummoxed, that the, the weight that I was trying to do didn't work. And so she was jumping to conclusions. A lot of times this will happen two ways. One will mind read, and this is interpreting the thoughts and beliefs of others without adequate evidence. She would not go on a date with me. She probably thinks I'm ugly. Uh, I was talking to someone. Here's another illustration where I did the mind, or I was tempted to do the mind reading. Had someone reach out to me, a high school principal, like, hey, uh, one of my teachers said that 
you might be interested in speaking for one of our professional development days. And we talked and on the one hand, she was like, can you do next Monday? And I was like, I think so. And on the other hand, she's like, okay, well, I'll have to go to your website and then I'll have to talk to my colleagues. And when I hung up, there's this little niggling voice in the back of my head that says, she's not going to uh, have me come speak. She doesn't like me. Now to be, you know, completely transparent and fair to myself, I immediately was like, I have no idea if that's true or not. And if she doesn't like me, who cares? We're going to move on. But we can all be tempted to mind read. The other way that we do this is sometimes we're tempted to do what's called fortune telling. And this is the expectation that a situation will turn out badly without adequate evidence. This is very much like catastrophizing. Oh, well, it's going to go bad. If I do a podcast, nobody will listen. If uh, I write a book, people won't like it. If I try to date someone, they will reject me. And they might. All of those things might come true, but they might not, too. Uh, And so when we're caught in this idea of jumping to conclusions, one of the things that we have to do is we have to be willing to step back and ask ourselves, what am I protecting myself from? The next cognitive distortion that we engage in is emotional reasoning. And this is the assumption that emotions reflect the way things really are. I feel like a bad friend, therefore I must be a bad friend. Or I feel like they're hating on me, therefore they must be hating on me. We have, I've said this many, many, many times before, we have elevated feelings to the place of reality. And while it's 100% accurate that you may feel whatever it is you're feeling, you do feel it. That doesn't mean the feeling itself is accurate. And this becomes a very, or it can become a very difficult situation and place to be Because if you're ruled by your feelings, how often do they change, right? So you get mad. And and I see this a lot. I live in a very um, church-oriented region of the country, and and it comes up in therapy quite a bit. And I'm always amazed at the people. Well, I'm not amazed, but I'm often amazed at how often I find people telling me, well, they left a church that they liked because something happened that they didn't like, and their emotions ran away from them. And as their emotions run away from them, it's not, it's not, hey, my emotions are going and, you know, I need to check it. It's my emotions are going and, and that's my reality. And, and I know, I, I don't know this, but I believe that it comes from a place of, in the past, people have been, you, you know, maybe dismissive of emotions. In the past, as a society, we have... We have, we have essentially told people to ignore emotions. Maybe not explicitly, like with our words, but certainly implicitly with our actions. And I'm afraid that what has happened is, is that in order to correct that, what we have done is we have moved from dismissing emotions to just totally letting them run our lives. And this is called emotional reasoning. And I hear it a lot, you know, oh, well, I feel, I think. Well, it seems, it feels to me, well, you know, well, okay, that's fine. And I want to be clear. I don't want to dismiss that. But at the same time, we do want to challenge it. We need to test it. For my Christian friends, I often ask them like, okay, the, so the Bible says that you should test every feeling. Are you doing that with these emotions? And I, I am sometimes amazed that the people are like, no, because I don't care. Oh, 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 okay, but emotions serve an important role in our lives, but they should not be the driving thing in our lives. So that's emotional reasoning. The next cognitive distortion is disqualifying the positive. 
Recognizing only the negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive. One might receive many compliments on an evaluation, but focus on the one single piece of negative feedback. And so that's probably the most common, right? You get an evaluation from work and there's 10 things that you think that they feel like you're doing well. And they're like, okay, here's where we'd like you to focus and do better. Or here's an area where you didn't do very well. And, and suddenly that's all you focus on. And this has become so ubiquitous in society that there are actually organizations that, that are telling companies when you do evals that don't tell them something that they did wrong. You have to phrase it in a way that's still a positive. And, and I think that's because disqualifying the positive comes out of emotional reasoning. And so we have to find a way to not upset anyone. And, and that typically doesn't work. It typically does not create uh, a, a, a positive interaction uh, or, or a positive feedback experience for either the individual or the company. And, and one of the things, and right now, you know, with the great uh, resignation and reshuffling of employees going on, there's a lot of companies that are afraid to lose anybody, so they don't do much in the way of feedback. And if they do feedback, they don't do the feedback in any way that would offend anybody because they're afraid that they'll disqualify the positive. Now, this also can run internally. Maybe you went on a date this weekend and everything went well, but there was this one thing that was weird. Maybe you spilled water. Uh, maybe you dropped food, your fork. Uh, maybe you stumbled. I, I don't know. And, and so what happens is, is your brain just focuses on that one piece, that one moment of, of negativity. And so what happens is, 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 and you'll notice that a lot of these tend to run together, right? Because this sounds a lot like magnification and minimization, which we talked about last week. But what happens is, is you overemphasize the negative thing that happened and underemphasize the positive things that happened. And that becomes often very distressing. And, and this is why we tend to, I believe we get stuck with, you know, okay, well, the only friends I have are the people that say exactly what I think. And, you know, one of the things I, I often talk about, how, the things I dislike about sports, one of the things I like about sports is that you can't disqualify the positive and stay involved in sports, especially a sport like, well, any sport really, but especially baseball. You, you know, let's say that you bat 300. That's, that's really good. That would be, if you, bat, if you had a 300 batting average, uh, that means that out of 10 times that you got up to bat, you got on base or didn't make an out that counted against you three times out of 10. That also means that you did get out seven times out of 10. And you have to realize that that's kind of how that works. And so the disqualifying the positive, we tend to get caught up in some level of emotional reasoning where the negative matters more than the positive. All right, then the next one is should statements. The belief that things should be a certain way. I should always be friendly. Now, I actually think that we should consider this, that should statements need to be in conjunction with always or never right? Because there are some shoulds that we should do. I should be kind. And, and there really is rarely an excuse for me to not be kind. So uh, sometimes people are like, well, I, you know, I don't have to be kind all the time. That's a should statement, a cognitive distortion. Well, yeah, it can be. I think it's when we put the always in front of it, like it should always. So this is one of the things, and I talked about this last week, this is one of the things that makes cognitive distortions 
potentially so dangerous is that there are often some nugget of truth in them. There is often some amount of reality associated with them. And especially with, with should statements, this is true because I should go to the gym I, or I should you know, do things to help me be healthy. I don't have to go to the gym to do that. I should make my family a priority. That is not a cognitive distortion. That is truth. I should make my family my only priority. That's probably a distortion that I have to look at, right? I should go to work. I should be responsible. I should, there are shoulds. It's when those become the onlys that we have problems. Or this should happen because I want it to. Or this shouldn't be that hard. And, and so I'll often say to clients when they start talking like that, I'll be like, well, where's the book of shoulds written? I'll talk to parents and they'll be like, well, my kids should do this. Well, yeah, that's true, but you should do that too, right? And so when we start running this out, here's the thing. It's when we couple this idea of should with some level of totality that I think we're in trouble. Or we combine it with a different uh, cognitive distortion, like maybe jumping to conclusions, right? So if we combine should statements with fortune telling, we're in trouble. If we combine should statements with magical thinking, we're in trouble. And, and this is important because you need to be aware if you're letting should statements run your life, only should statements run your life, you're probably living in cognitive distortions. And then the last cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking. And this is thinking in absolutes such as always, never, every, I never do a good enough job on anything. That guy treated me like a jerk, jerk, so I can never date again. I had a bad relationship in eighth grade, so I should never be vulnerable to anyone again. My ex-husband did blank, 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 so all men are evil. My, my ex-wife did blank, 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 and so all women are evil. Uh, this person that I knew was just a gold digger, so all people are gold diggers. This person hurt me, so no one can be trusted. The problem with all or nothing thinking is it provides this, I, there are two big problems. One, it provides a false sense of safety. And two, our brain actually gives us a cognitive reward for certainty and for answers. So if you have two pieces of information and you fill in that blank with some level of information, your brain gives you a cognitive reward for it regardless of whether or not that fact or that, that fill-in information, that answer, is accurate. At some level, I believe that should, see what I did there, terrify us. All or nothing thinking runs regularly. I have a friend who also has a podcast up, Healing Through Pain. Uh, you, can, you can listen to that, look it up in your podcast store. And an episode we were talking about uh, buying a car and or about buying a house. And I was like, you know, she's talking about her car. I was like, maybe you should just buy a car. And she's like, well, I can't because I have, I want to buy a house. And and so, you know, she talked about this in one of her episodes and I was like, I, I actually sent her a message. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with this or not. It has a ring of all or nothing thinking to it. I'm going to have to chew on it for a little bit because I'm not sure what I think of it. The all or nothing thinking there's a danger here. There are things that are all nothing, right? Like if you go to work, you can't be home with your kids. That That's true. But that doesn't mean going to work means I can never be home with my kids. And, and that has to be balanced out. My wife and I talk about this a lot because Monday through Wednesday, 
we work open to close. We leave the house at 7, and like last night, I don't know, I think I got home like at 10 minutes to 10. Those are really long days. And Thursday and Friday, we tend to work less hours uh, and while the kids are in school. But we do talk about like, okay, so our kids don't see us, our, our girls don't see us much Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do they see us enough? Now we've moved the conversation from all or nothing thinking to what do we believe is appropriate? But Joe, that sounds like shoulds. I know. That's why the should statements can be so dangerous because there is that kernel of truth there. And so I, what, what do you do with this? Well, first of all, I want you to think about a couple things. I want you, if you like this list, email me to, at joe at joemartino.com and I will email you a PDF of the cognitive distortions uh, with absolutely no cost to you at all other than your time in sending me that email, joe at joemartino.com and just ask for the Cognitive Distortions PDF. Uh, and then the other thing I want you to do is, is if you didn't, write these down. And I'm going to list them all here in a minute again. And then I want you to try to be aware of them as you navigate your day because that's where we start to facilitate change is in awareness. So we're going to go through them just really quickly. I'm not going to expound on them. The first one is magnif magnification and minimization, making things bigger or smaller than they actually are catastrophizing is the next one. This is seeing only the worst possible outcomes. Overgeneralization, making broad interpretations from a single or few events or sometimes no events. Magical thinking, the belief that acts will influence unrelated situations. Personalization, the belief that one is responsible for events outside of their own control. So you're responsible for everybody's happiness and they're obviously trying to hurt you. Jumping to conclusions, interpreting the meaning of a situation with little or no evidence. And that happens two ways, with mind reading or fortune telling. Emotional reasoning, assuming that emotions reflect reality. Not that you're actually experiencing them. We don't want to debate that. You are experiencing them. But why are you experiencing them? Disqualifying the positive, recognizing only the negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive. And then should statements, which can be very dangerous, and all-or-nothing thinking. Those are the considered general cognitive distortions. And think about this. Some of these are actually being taught to our school students as ways to operate, and especially in colleges, right? So if you have a political opponent where you agree on about 80% of things, but there's this 20% that you disagree on, all-or-nothing thinking says we've, we've got to cancel them. Cancel culture is birthed by the unholy affair of should statements and all or nothing thinking. They slept together and had a child and it's called cancel culture. In fact, most of what goes on in many of our, our, our college campuses where you were supposed to be woke is cognitive distortions. It, 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 it's really interesting to me, and I, I don't want this to be a political show, but when, when the former president was in office and COVID was running rampant, it was his fault. And our current president ran on the platform that, that he had a plan that he was going to cure it. Well, we're a year into his presidency and it's worse than it's ever been. Or the, the people on the anti-vax side, they put up, y'all are putting up stupid means. They're just dumb. Somebody put up, I'm just saying, if I had four shots and it didn't work, okay, well, let's have a conversation. That's an all or nothing thinking. 
Let's have a conversation about what is the shot supposed to do. But to be honest, my friends on the other side who are, who are uh, pro-vax, well, the anti-vaxxers, they can just die. Holy cow. Like, you need to look up the word compassion. But the reality is it's not compassion you need. You need better thinking skills because you're caught up in cognitive distortions. And, and, and this happens to all of us, hopefully not to that extreme. I, I want to be clear on that. Hopefully to not, not to that extreme. But it does happen to all of us. There's not a therapist I know, and a lot of them teach these as like, hey, we need to avoid these, who doesn't get somehow caught up in these somewhere. Because that's life. And so we need to be aware of them. That's the whole purpose of these two weeks. What does it mean for us to, to examine our thinking, to test our thinking, and to look for places where we can think better so that we can live better? All right, if you enjoyed this, please share it with three of your friends. It's so important to be involved in things that are bigger than us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.